You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Houston Texan sideline reporter John Harris and Jarrett Bell from USA Today. And let's kick off the podcast today with former agent and CBS sports contract analyst, Joel Corey. Joel, thanks so much for taking the time. We have a lot of casual fans listening. How historic is it that Kirk Cousins is receiving a contract that is fully guaranteed? Yeah, assuming it is fully guaranteed at signing, um, sometimes when things are reported, it's not as precise as it actually is. I would not be surprised if the first two years are fully guaranteed and the third year vest at the beginning of the second year. But assuming it is fully guaranteed, that is a landmark deal. Hopefully it will open the floodgates for other players to get fully guaranteed contracts with Aaron Rodgers being the next one. Joe, you mentioned guaranteed money. I mean, that's one conversation. But the money that's given to him on a team of this magnitude, uh, arguably one of the best overall teams in the National Football League, Do you think it was important that if they do go through the process of making it fully guaranteed, uh, how much will that hinder the team moving forward to maneuver to grab other players? Say they get rid of them after a year or two years. They're still on the hook of that money, and it will go against the cap. Well, it depends on whether the guarantee has an offset or not. If you have an offset and you cut a player for guarantee, you get to recoup the money that he signs elsewhere for a new club. If there's no offset, the full amount of guarantee counts on the cap, and he gets to double dip and make the money from the team that cut him and every last dollar from the new team he signs with. So that'll be a crucial thing in terms of how the guarantee language is structured. Most guarantees in NFL have offsets. I've always been an advocate of having a guarantee of no offset. That puts you in the same position as if you got a huge signing bonus. Talking in dollars and cents with Joel Corey from CBSSports.com. Joel, as a former agent, how much do you think Richard Sherman hurt himself financially by not having an agent in the way the Niners structured his new deal? Oh, there are, there's not enough time to explain how many ways that we Richard Sherman hurt himself. we got plenty of time. Himself. Let's go item by item here. Okay, well, the first thing is when he was talking pay cut with Seattle, he put himself at a disadvantage because most agents will start calling other teams to see the lay of the land in case there's a pay cut so they know whether to take one. He, that's tampering, but it's done all the time. He can't call up teams and go, hey, while he's under contract, uh, what can you pay me? No team is going to talk to him in a situation like that. So not having that information put him at a disadvantage. Two, he structured a contract which was so overly team-friendly to San Francisco, there was no point in giving them additional years. He might as well have done a one-year deal for seven, eight, nine million plus incentives and then hit the market again after the season. Or if he was going to give up extra years, he should have had them void based on him being the old Richard Sherman. And that's just the beginning of it without getting any more details. Once you look at the overall package, isn't it a one-year differential from $14 million of a, of a four-year $56 million to a three-year $39, which goes from 14 to $13 million bucks? Isn't that how you really look at it, or are you looking at more guaranteed money? No, I'm looking at it that there's so much money that's contingent on incentives, which he probably isn't going to earn. First of all, if he does not 
stay healthy or can't get healthy, he's out a $2 million training camp roster bonus because if he starts to see, starts the camp on PUP, that's gone. He's got a $1 million in playtime incentives, has to hit 90% playtime. If he's healthy, he'll get that because corners play or you don't. He's got $2 million tied to uh, all NFL honors. That's very difficult to get. He's got a million tied to being uh, making the Pro Bowl, which is a lot harder than it used to be because you have two corners migrating over from the AFC playing for the Rams now. Marcus, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. I'm not even sure Richard Sherman would be first team all NFC West because you also have Patrick Peterson in the division. Only four guys go to the Pro Bowl from the NFC. You got Marshawn Lattimore, who's an up-and-coming corner. Darius Slay went last year. Xavier Rhodes went last year. Desmond Trufant's in the mix. I don't think he's going to earn the bulk of that money, which could make him basically whole compared to his old contract. Thank you for breaking that down in grand detail. We are focusing on the financial side of football with Joel Corey, former agent, sports business analyst for CBSSports.com. Joel, given the well-documented history of injuries that Sam Bradford has suffered, what do you make of the deal that he's potentially going to get from the Cardinals? Well, I always pegged it that he wasn't going to be taking much of a pay cut from his last deal, um, which had 26, I think, 26 million uh, fully guaranteed. It's that was 22 and a half fully guaranteed at signing. It was a two-year deal, 35 over two years, maxed at 40.5 if he hit all his escalators and incentives. The problem is, if you have Sam Bradford, you better put a good bulk of that money now in per-game roster bonuses. Uh, because you don't know how healthy he's going to be or if he's going to play eight games, 16 games, or four games. The, he cost himself a ton of money by having recurring knee problems this year. This is a guy that if he could have stayed healthy, was poised to be a $25 million per year or more quarterback because he carved up the Saints defense in the season opener and was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, I'm assuming Arizona is going to get in a position to draft their quarterback for the future, and Sam Bradford is just a stopgap measure. Give me a take on Case Keenum. What does this do based on the deal that they have with him? How does this create the flexibility to still maintain that spot at five of maybe thinking about grabbing a quarterback? Well, it's a short-term, short-term deal, and I think what really handcuffed um, Case Keenum is the Blake Bortles extension. When you look at just the new money, it's about $35 million over two years of incentives. If Blake Bortles does something he's never done before, he, he could make $22, 23000000 million per year. So I think when you've got a guy who's been a starter from day one and a guy who right now is a one-year wonder, that's going to cap his compensation. Yes, if they still want to take a Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or whomever at number five, they can do that. Uh, that's what Philadelphia's blueprint was a couple of years they brought in a couple of years ago. They brought in Chase Daniel, re-signed Sam Bradford, and got Carson Wentz. So that may be the new blueprint for you to secure the quarterback position when you've been struggling to have competent quarterback play. Joel Corey of CBSSports.com is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Joel, if you were fortunate enough to be representing Le'Veon Bell, what would your pitch to the Steelers be to give your client a long-term contract? Um, I think my biggest negotiation would be with my client to be more reflective or sensitive to where the running back market is, which has been declining over time. But if I'm making the pitch to um, Pittsburgh, I'm probably going to go with the uh, he has transcended the position. You don't look at him as just a running back. You look at him as a top offensive playmaker, and he should be paid like top top offensive playmakers. His importance to the offense is equal, if not greater, than Antonio Brown's, so his compensation should be comparable.
Give me a take on Aqib Tlaib, uh, having a chance to lead Denver to go to uh, to his former defensive coordinator and Wade Phillips out there with the Rams. What does that do to that defense as far as being able to solidify winning? Because you have to assume Seattle's going to struggle because of what they're losing. We know the 49ers on the, on the rise, uh, bringing in a, a Richard Sermon, hoping that he's healthy, seeing what Jimmy Garoppolo did. But how big is this move with Aqib Tlaib to assure that this defense continue can continue to be solid? Oh, good luck completing a pass against those guys because Marcus Peters has more interceptions than anybody since he's been in the league. And we know Aqib Tlaib can play in a Wade uh, Phillips defense. He's been to five straight Pro Bowls. And you've got a guy in the middle of the defensive line that puts more pressure on quarterbacks than anybody else. You're probably going to need to find some more of a pass rush from the outside now that you're trading Robert Quinn to Miami, but it's the Rams' division to lose for at least the next couple of years because I think San Francisco is going to have to do some catching up to get to where the Rams are. Uh, Seattle is a team in transition, and I'm not sure what to make Arizona. Joel, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Sure, thanks for having me. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. Back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB spring training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live with your subscription to TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season from opening day to the MLB World Series live on TuneIn. It's gone. It's a home run. Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Listen all season long. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Kirk Cousins is on his way to Minnesota, pleased to be joined by a good friend of the program, Sage Rosenfeld, the former Vikings quarterback. Sage, thanks for taking the time. Let's put money aside. How much of a football upgrade is Kirk Cousins potentially over Case Keenum? Well, I think he's an improvement. I, I think he's a guy that uh, when you need him in certain situations, say, you know, in the fourth quarter, you're down by 10. Uh, I, I think that Kirk Cousins just has that little extra giddy-up to, to bring his team back. He has that ability to carry the team on his shoulders a little bit more, you know, put the offense more in his hands. He's got more experience. Uh, he's been a lot of big-time football games, and, and, uh, and I love Case Keenum last year. I was one of his uh, early and strongest supporters, uh, but I, I do believe that Kirk Cousins is an improvement. Now, is it worth the money? You know, the extra sounds like about $8 million or so. Uh, that they, you know, they may not be able to assign somebody else back. I think that was really the issue in Minnesota, the give and take of do we, you know, do we go after Case Keenum at about $20 million or do we go for Kirk Cousins at 28 and possibly lose out of one of their own uh, players that may be a free agent soon? Sage, I think you may be, you know, in competition with the guy who was supporting Case Keenum. It's been going on for a while now, and I think the guys on the show could tell you, but the body of work that he was capable of putting in with the Minnesota Vikings – the only thing that's better than that is winning the NFC Championship and go there. You give him this much money, Kirk Cousins, and he doesn't get that far. What does that say about the decision, or is it just something you live with and fight to live and fight for another day for the next season? Well, I think they were looking to sort of solidify that quarterback spot, and you know, Case Keenum had a great year last year, but I just don't think the Vikings. You know, and they saw them him every single day in practice. They obviously saw him in the games. I think you know they more they more than anybody knows the value of him on their football team. So I think they just believe that you know Kirk had a little bit more. Uh, but you, you know football is such a crazy game. I mean this team, the very good football team, they could still win ten games you know next year and and you know have it be a worse season than last year. But 
know, that's just that's the NFL. Sometimes games are lost by one play here, one play there. It doesn't mean Kirk Cousins was a bad, you know, investment, but, uh, just, you know, obviously the, the, it would mean that the Vikings just didn't have it that good a season. So I, I still do believe uh, that Kirk Cousins, uh, and for the next three years or next two years, whatever it's going to be there, uh, you know, he, he, would, he is going to be the better quarterback consistently than what Case Keenum was last year. And I really like Case Keenum last year. Taking across the league with Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, money's not the only point of evaluation, but when you heard Drew Brees got the two-year deal, $50 million, $27 million guaranteed, and then we learned the terms of the deal Kirk Cousins is getting in Minnesota, are you surprised that Cousins, on average, is now going to make more than Drew Brees? No, not surprised at all, and I wouldn't be surprised. That, you know, There was a rumor that the Vikings reached out to Drew Brees, I believe, yesterday, and I always thought that made the most sense. I mean, I think I still think, and I was at that championship game last year, the miracle in Minneapolis, and and uh, and, and Drew Brees carved the Vikings defense apart last season in that football game, and he was absolutely incredible. I don't think Case has that ability. I don't even think Kirk Cousins had that ability. But Drew Brees wanted to stay in New Orleans. I mean, he has worked tirelessly with those receivers and running backs and tight ends and all that timing work. It goes to waste. Uh, if you go on a new football team and have to start over. I, I think it wasn't for him just about the money. Uh, it's probably one of the first times in his career he took less money uh, to stay with his team. He's always sort of gone for every dollar. You know, Drew Brees has made, what, 150 maybe $200 million in his career. Uh, to take a couple million dollars less than what he could have gotten somewhere else, but uh, to really you know, finish off his career in New Orleans with that team, with Sean Payton, with those receivers and running backs he's been really building up the last couple of years, uh, I think it was you know, obviously an easy decision for him. What about Sam Bradford um, after coming off of the, the surgeries and having the bone bruise, and, and now he gets a one-year deal for $20 bucks going to Arizona? Do you see them actually trying to find another quarterback in a draft considering that you know the last season with uh, Sam Bradford wasn't that good because of the bone bruise? I think that's the first thing you do. No offense to Sam Bradford, but when you sign Sam Bradford, the first thing you do is start looking for another quarterback because he's not the long-term answer. Uh, I, I covered the Vikings very closely the last couple of seasons, and he's just not very durable. Uh, and, and he's just not a great athlete anymore uh, with all those injuries to, to run around and make plays. And you know, a lot of these really good quarterbacks, now one of the best things Case Keaton did last year, you know, make guys miss in the pocket, uh, get outside the pocket occasionally and make something happen on the move. Case was great at that last year. Teddy Bridgewater was very good at that. Uh, before Bradford, and when Bradford, you, you really just saw that, you know, he's a very good pocket passer, he's extremely accurate, but he's really limited, and a lot of times he's not available. So to me, he's not a long-term answer. They're going to be looking for a quarterback in this draft. Sage, as a former player, and I don't know if you were active in the Players Association, what do you make of the historic nature of the Cousins deal? It's fully guaranteed. Do you think this could be a catalyst to see perhaps an NBA pay structure for some NFL players as opposed to the pay-as-you-go that most NFL players have to endure with when it comes to a series of effective one-year deals? Well, I think that I think that players will probably try to get more guaranteed money, but I think that teams would say, well, then we're going to have shorter contracts. So, you know, a lot of times players sign six-year deals, but at the end of the day, for the most part, the majority of deals are basically two-year guaranteed contracts. So, uh, you know, there, it might be a $100 million deal, uh, but the guy is going to make $25 million each of the first two years, and after that it's pretty much a year-by-year thing. I think Kirk Cousins has bet on himself so many times over the course of his career He's fine to bet on to himself now. You know, in three years uh, after playing this Minnesota team, who's loaded right now, has some good receivers, some good backs, uh, has a good tight end, has a really good defense. 
his chance of, ha- of being successful is pretty good. So in three years after cashing in you know, almost $90 million, uh, he's going to be able to you know, still hit free agency and barely be into his 30. A.J. McCarron, where is he going to end up? I mean, I know the Jets are open. Uh, obviously, Buffalo, we know, is open. Uh, give me a take on A.J. McCarron. Does he land in one of these spots with an opportunity to be the starter? Yeah, yeah he's going to go somewhere. You know, I, I sort of like a, you know, A.J. McCarron slash Teddy Bridgewater somewhere. I mean, I, I, I'm really fascinated by what, what Teddy brings to the table for a team. I mean, they absolutely loved him in Minnesota. He was their guy. He was their franchise guy. Then he tears his knee out. He pretty much hasn't played in two years. Uh, but I believe he's one of those guys, if he can go back to when he was healthy, 2015 uh, season, he's an effective NFL quarterback. He's a guy I want on my football team. He's a guy, if I don't have a quarterback, I'm really interested in. But is, is he there? We don't know. So if I'm you know, Teddy Bridgewater's agent and I'm on an NFL team, I give Teddy a, a beautiful, wonderful backup quarterback contract with a lot of incentives. Uh, to be a guy that couldn't even make $20 million next year uh, because I think he could be one of those guys that ends up being a top 15 quarterback. I thought he would, I, I loved him before. And uh, but no one, but there's a lot of question marks there. So he's a big mystery. So, and, and McCarron's mystery is just lack of, lack of playing time. He's only played in so many games. The Bengals haven't been very good the last few seasons. And there's just, he doesn't have that body of work uh, that Teddy had and you know, guys that now like Case Keenum and, and obviously Kirk Cousins have. Hayes, let's wrap it up with the big picture. What do you think the tangible impact of Kirk Cousins is going to be on the field for a team that made it, as you described, to the NFC title game a year ago, even though Philadelphia is the reigning world champs and they play in the NFC? Do you think Minnesota has become the team to beat in that conference? No, I, I still think it's Philadelphia. I love what the Eagles have done this offseason, obviously, you know, with them last year and, and when it's through a ball. And also, Carson Wentz can come back. I have no issue if Kirk Foles is their starting quarterback for the first half of the season. Uh, and I, they're the team to beat in the NFC. That's not even close. Now, I, the Vikings have to, they have to battle the Packers every year. And if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they're going to be battling out till week 16 or 17 every single season. Uh, so, no, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure if they're the favorites next year. Uh, I like that the Vikings, I just hope they don't put too much pressure on themselves. You know, they won a ton of games last year. They got to the championship game. They've now made this upgrade uh, at, a, at an important position, the quarterback position, what I believe is an upgrade. Uh, but a lot of things have to go right in the NFL season. You know, they've got a new offensive coordinator. Uh, they're going to have a lot of new, you know, they got different players. You know, Dalvin Cook be coming back. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of intrigue with that Minnesota team. I think the worst thing they could do is put a ton of pressure on themselves because we always see it. Uh, we always see it on the, on the good football teams where it's like, all right, we added this important piece. We should be a Super Bowl team next year, and a lot of times those teams don't do very well. Age, we appreciate the insights. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, thanks for having me on again. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip hop beats. Sit down. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, welcoming in Jared Bell of USA Today. 
Jared, thanks for taking the time beyond the mega deal that Kirk Cousins is getting from the Vikings. Do you think he's a franchise quarterback? <laughs> well, Kirk Cousins will go to the Minnesota Vikings and become the third best quarterback in the NFC North. Okay, obviously Aaron Rodgers is in that division. Matthew Stafford is in that division. And, hey, he may be fourth if Mitchell Trubisky turns out to be what the Bears hope he becomes. So franchise quarterback, I think it depends on who's around you, really, in his case. Because, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, we know, is a franchise quarterback. Tom Brady, for reasons that they take the team and make those teams better around them. For Kirk Cousins, it's the opposite. He could be a very effective quarterback if all the pieces are in place. And that's a, uh, an, an attraction, obviously, for the Minnesota Vikings because we saw Case Keenum play very well and get to the championship game with the Minnesota Vikings. So somebody's about to overpay for Kirk Cousins. So it's saying that, you know, you mentioned it right there at the very end, as far as overpaying him, if, you, if we had the opportunity to see Kirk Cousins, who not many thought could get it done on that level, you know, how do you justify if they don't even make it to the postseason, which I think they will, or make it as far as the NFC Championship game and say that this is the guy we gave guaranteed money to to take us where? Short of yeah, the NFC exactly. Championship I mean, game. I mean, that's a, it's kind of like, you know, Super Bowl or bust if you're the Vikings because you saw what you could do with Case Keenum. Now, I don't know what the extent was in terms of uh, their – contract talks with Case Keenum, but the reports are that Case Keenum's going to get like $19 million or something like that per year from the Broncos, right? So even say if it's $20 million, um, is Kirk Cousins $10 million more than that? That's, you know, I don't think so, to tell you the truth. And, you know, Case Keenum didn't get it done in Philadelphia, but I don't know if a lot of quarterbacks would have gone in and beaten the Eagles you know, on their turf in the NFC Championship game. And the fact that they got that far um, was a testament to what, you know, he was able to do. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big gamble for the Vikings because if they don't win it all, and even if they do win it all, they're going to be in a situation in a couple of years where they're going to have to cut people and they're going to have to really do some maneuvering to not only keep Kirk Cousins, but to keep the supporting cast around him. So I think it's overpaying. I think when we talk about the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and, you know, it's, it's great timing for Kirk Cousins, right? Very rarely do you get a quarterback on the market that's, you know, in his prime and he's a starter, right? We had Peyton Manning on the market a few years ago. He was coming off of an injury. We could have had Drew Brees on the market, but he decided, hey, he wasn't even interested in going on the market. So, Kirk Cousins is going to benefit from from all of this, but uh, it's a weird thing because we know, and he'll be the highest paid quarterback in the league until Aaron Rodgers gets his new deal or until Matt Ryan gets his new deal with the Falcons. But with Ryan and with Aaron Rodgers and if Tom Brady were to get a new deal, I mean, you can understand those guys going to that level. But when you start seeing Kirk Cousins topping Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) as the highest paid player in the league, League history. It's it's mind-boggling. Pretty staggering stuff happening across the league. We are chatting with Jared Bell of USA Today. Jared, do you view Cousins' deal as a one-off, an anomaly when it comes to the very important component? It is fully guaranteed. How many other marquee players can walk to the negotiating table next time and say, I want every dime to be guaranteed? 
Yeah, that's that's that might be a game changer when we think about what people are going to ask for in the future on contracts because you know, one of the pieces of news that has come out this week as the market, you know, ramps up is that Ndamukong Su is going to be released by the Miami Dolphins. Now, I remember personally writing about Ndamukong Su like the highest paid defensive player and all of that, and that was, what, three years ago? And I don't think Ndamukong Su has uh, been a bad player. I mean, he was always going to be the, the player who's not going to give you a lot of sacks. So you've you got to know what you're getting with Ndamukong Su, a great defensive line and a great force in the middle of the defensive line. And should the Dolphins have paid that kind of money for him? Um, in retrospect, you say maybe not. The Lions couldn't pay that to keep him. Otherwise, they would have loved to have kept him. But that's kind of what the market bears. So when you look at Kirk Cousins getting fully guaranteed money, I guess it's a good deal. But, you know, maybe you could have gotten more money, more dollars um, on a longer-term deal because they're not going to cut a Kirk. If they were to sign him to like a hundred and Twenty million, one hundred and thirty million, or you know something like that. It's not like they were going to cut him after three years. Maybe they cut him. Maybe they cut him uh, after three years, but not three years or less. So I don't know. It, it sounds good, but you know we'll see how the numbers you know shake out once everything uh, is really settled and official. But I don't know if he's going to get more money over three years and it's guaranteed versus what he might have gotten if it was a five- or six-year deal. So we'll see. Last year with the Chicago Bears, we saw a move being made to, to Michael Glennon to give him like, what, a $45 million deal, 18 guaranteed, then boom, Chicago moves from the third spot to the second spot to grab Mitchell Trubisky. Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor actually falls in that same category. Do you think they go and grab a quarterback at that number one spot like most anticipated, or they go to someone like a Saquon Barkley to maybe help offset uh, how they actually move moving forward in the, court, in, in the draft to grab another quarterback? Yeah, I'll I tell you what. I think they're going to get a quarterback. Now, I don't know if it's going to be at that number one spot or at the number four spot. And so – you know how teams are this time of year where nobody really wants to let you know exactly what they're thinking. But I think the Browns have got to be looking at this as a combination play. You know, what's at the number one spot that we can secure ourselves with and what we can get at number four. So if you take a quarterback at one, you know Barkley's not going to be there at four. So uh, do you want to make a Fitzpatrick for your secondary as that guy or if Chubb is still on the board at four? Is that the guy you want? Or do you take Barkley at number one and then get another quarterback? Because you know there's going to be somebody available at four, a quarterback, because of just the, you know, the sheer numbers. So I like this kid from Wyoming, this, this uh, Josh Allen, Ryan Allen, the, the Ryan kid from, <laughs> from from Wyoming. I can't even think of his name. Josh like, Allen, you got it, Jared. Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, Josh Allen, yeah. I like him just from watching the workouts at the Combine because, you know, I kind of fell in love with his arm. Now, that could be dangerous just for, you know, observers like me or NFL teams to put so much on a workout. But when I compared him to the other quarterbacks that were on display, I mean, he, he clearly had the, you know, the, the, the best physical attributes. He's like 6'5", and he looks like a natural thrower. So I like him. I don't know how much they like him. Um, but if it's me, 
and I'm drafting, I'd say, yeah, give me Saquon Barkley. But you know that's risky taking a running back at number one. But if you take him and he turns out to be everything that you think he can be, um, maybe you're okay. And that's why you, you trade for Tyrod Taylor because they're trying to, you know, juice this thing up as fast as you can. And then you can take a developmental a quarterback and develop him at number four. But they may be thinking the other way, and it may be quarterback, and then you go with uh, one of the, the, the top defensive players. But the thing about quarterbacks, too, um, and, and the Browns haven't passed on Deshaun Watson last year, haven't passed on Carson Wentz two years ago. It's kind of like, do we know if, if uh, Sam Darnold is a real deal, if Allen's a real deal, if Josh Rosen. So now, and we'll move, judge all this moving forward, well, who was the better guy? How do you rank them versus how they actually – have you know proven themselves to be in the NFL, and we'll find that out in the future. Jared Bell of USA Today is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Jared, as we connect the dots with Sam Bradford going to Arizona with the Jets having interest in Teddy Bridgewater, are you surprised that A.J. McCarron is still available? Uh, yeah, right now, because remember, the Browns tried to trade for him during the season. Now, they've got a different general manager now at John Dorsey, but I think the thinking with Cleveland was that you know, Hugh Jackson had worked with A.J. McCarron in Cincinnati and had a, a great feel for him and definitely wanted him last year before the trade deadline. So I guess I'm a, a bit surprised that we haven't heard more about him, especially as it relates to Cleveland. But I think some of that kind of you know turned on its head when they traded for Tyrod Taylor. So now what about Buffalo? They're going to need somebody. Maybe they'll – I'm sure they'll draft somebody – but they're going to need a veteran and a veteran in there, so maybe he's that guy. You mentioned a veteran, uh, Sam Bradford. We've seen his injuries pretty much slow him down throughout his entire career. He gets a one-year deal, uh, I think twenty million bucks with the Arizona Cardinals. How do you see them handling that situation? Knowing you have David Johnson come back, they can kind of offset some of the pressure of him having to do it by himself, as far as his health is concerned, and, and be able to be productive on that team. I mean, I think it's a great spot, and. You know, I said it a couple of weeks ago that, you know, Kirk Cousins, if, you know, you were really looking for a place to settle down, you know, him being that quarterback on that market, um, at the top of the market, I thought Arizona was a great place to, to be. Now, so I think Sam Bradford might find, find out, the, you know, that he's really wound up in a great spot because this is a team that is, you know, has some weapons, not only on offense with David Johnson, and then Larry Fitzgerald, who you're only going to probably have for one more year. but And they've got some talented receivers, but they also have some playmakers on defense. Tyron Matthew, who they're restructuring his contract, Chandler Jones. So I think Arizona is a very attractive place for a quarterback to be. And so Bradford, we know it's a short-term deal. We know his injury history has not been good at all. Um, so now the question with him is, can he just stay healthy and, and make it work and then get himself, you know, to that next deal. They will probably draft somebody as well. So that's going to, uh, you know, maybe, and maybe they don't take him in the first, maybe they don't draft a quarterback in the first round. Maybe they'll go with somebody in the second round, but that's always going to be part of the equation there with Bradford's injury history and with, you know, the Cardinals trying to get it ramped up with a new coach. But I think it's a great spot for him. Um, maybe, maybe not as good as Minnesota, but um, it's still a really, really attractive place. 
Garrett, as always, we appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn. I appreciate you guys having me. Have a good one. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Catch up on today's news briefs with TuneIn Podcasts, featuring Stay Tuned with Preet. From CAFE and WNYC Studios, welcome to Stay Tuned. New York Times, The Daily. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Fox News Rundown. I'm Tom Shalhoub, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Find your favorite news podcast by searching the TuneIn app or by asking Alexa today. Now you're in the know with TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we're joined by draft enthusiast John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with draft analysis. Other than Saquon Barkley, are you handing out any first-round grades for the running backs this year? Man, I'll tell you this. If if I wouldn't give out any first-round grades, I definitely have got a ton of second-round grades, whether it's Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb. I've been a big fan of Nick Chubb. I, I hate the fact that he had that injury in 2015 because I felt like he was on par at that point, running the way that he was at his size. I felt like he was on par with Leonard Fournette. It's been a long comeback for him. But the combine was good. I think somebody's going to get a really quality running back at the top of the second round in Nick Chubb. But Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, I think those guys are absolute legitimate top of the second round. Could maybe sneak into the first, depending on what teams there at the bottom of the first round are looking for. And that's actually good for them because those teams down at the bottom of the first are playoff teams. So that could end up being good for them. But Michelle, Chubb, I think this is a pretty good running back class overall. Obviously, Barkley is the guy, but I think you can find some really good players. I mean, the Chiefs found Kareem Hunt last year in the, what, the third round. <clears throat> I think you can find guys like Caleb Balazs from out of Arizona State, who is a specimen. He is a bigger, stronger, faster, heightweight speed sort of guy, but he's a guy that I think a lot of teams will like. Naeem Hines from out of NC State, who ran the 4-3 range, can do a lot of different things uh, for a team. So I think teams, when they look at these running backs, they're going to see a lot more than just a guy that can carry the mail. They're looking at guys that can do a lot of different things, whether it's catch the ball in the backfield, block and pass protection, uh, run the rock on first and second down. So you're getting a pretty versatile running back class. But Barkley is clearly above everybody else. But I think if you took a back-end first-round flyer on a back, it would probably be a Sony Michelle or a Nick Chubb, uh, somebody of that caliber, yes. Where do you see Saquon Barkley going in this draft? Does he go number one, or does he fall down to somewhere else knowing that the Cleveland Browns already have their quarterback and maybe a quarterback to be down the road in the draft, but that may not be the number one pick when it comes down to Cleveland. It would be a running back. Am I correct? You know, Cordell, I think the top two players in this draft are Saquon Barkley and Quentin Nelson. But I don't think running back and guard, it's interesting because running back and guard are two positions where people say, well, I can just get one of those guys that lay around. These guys are special. But you know, you played the position. You know how important it is. You've got to have that quarterback. And just the way things are lining up in free agency and just watching it from afar, it feels like, first of all, the Bills have got to have a quarterback. They, I don't think they have one in the building that could go under center and do anything. So they've got to go get a quarterback. I think the, you can make an argument whether the Giants need one or not. Cleveland definitely needs one for the future, not for right now. So I think the Tyrod Taylor move was good for them. But I just think there's going to be a run on quarterbacks early and what that might allow a team to do is, hey, I might trade up, 
but I'm going to go get Barkley instead because I've got my quarterback. Um, maybe the Broncos do something like that. Maybe the Broncos with Case Keenum say, you know what? We're sitting here at five. Hey, maybe Barkley falls to us. Maybe we take Saquon Barkley and we put him with Case Keenum and then we look in maybe the second round for a quarterback, maybe a Mason Rudolph or somebody like that that they could put behind Case Keenum. Because the Broncos are already trying to groom or still groom Paxton Lynch. They still have their air in residence, I suppose, in Paxton Lynch, I guess. But they're still going to draft somebody, I would imagine, this draft. But I can see the Broncos doing it at five. I just think there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. All things considered, if every team had a top quarterback, I think Barkley would be the number one pick, and there would be no question about it because Barkley and Nelson are two best players in this draft. Yeah, and you set for the draft with John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, we know Josh Allen of Wyoming has a big arm and a big body. How much are you concerned about his inaccuracy on campus in Laramie, completion percentage less than 60%? I'm concerned about that. But I'll tell you this, Brian. When I was at the Senior Bowl, I watched him each day get a little bit better throwing the ball. The first day that we saw him in pads, they were working on a drill going back there was kind of manipulating the pocket and they were throwing at a, a netting that has like these three squares. And I'm sure Cordell's done this a thousand times. And the guy would say hit square one or square two or square three. The first three throws, Allen didn't even hit the netting. He threw it like five yards over the top. And I thought, what is going on? Two days later, he's throwing laser shots in the end zone from the red zone and fitting it between linebackers. And I remember I was standing next to Russian Webster, scout for the Falcons, and my buddy Lance Zerline from NFL.com. And I said, after he made that throw, I said, I'm around the NFL all the time. I see quarterbacks every single Sunday. I don't know that I've ever seen a throw like that. That's the kind of talent that Josh Allen has. But I just fear that inaccuracy pops up at such bad times. And the decision-making at times can just be head-scratching. That is that way for a lot of rookies. Obviously, I saw one here that's special in, in Sean Watson. But Allen, I think, is going to take some time. But I said that Allen would go to Buffalo, that Buffalo would trade up and, and go get Allen. It just seems to fit. Big arm and that cold weather. He can slice it through the wind. Just different things that I would imagine they're looking for in Buffalo that I think that Josh Allen could give to them. I just feel like that's going to be a match. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills that I'll be looking out for on night one of the draft. Well, Josh Allen's arm is so big and his body type is so big. Sometimes, you know how it is when you when you have these big kids, you just all of a sudden grab them and, you know, they take for granted that their arm is so strong that sometimes it just may be a little bit, uh, as far as efficiency is, is concerned, lacking in that department. I think that's what I see with the Josh Allen. But tell me what you saw with Lamar Jackson. What do you, what do you see him actually fitting into the matrix of things? Because there's not too much talk in the sense of him maybe going in the first round. You know, Cordell, I've been the one, I feel like I'm the one banging the drum for Lamar Jackson. Now, my good buddy Andre Ware has been a huge fan of Lamar Jackson for a while. And we were watching on our way up to Indianapolis for our last game. We were watching the bowl game against Mississippi State together. And it was one of those games, I thought Lamar had probably his worst game and then he threw four interceptions. But, man, there were some throws in that game that he made on the run. I remember one run, one throw he made going to the right, threw back across his body, which he shouldn't do. He's got such good arm strength that he zipped it to his tight end who got up the field for a big gain. And I turned to Andre and I said, you don't see that. There are guys that can't make that throw going into this draft. Now, when it comes to inaccuracy, Lamar does have that. His technique, he stands way tall in the pocket. His feet get too narrow. The elbow will drop at times and the ball will sail on him. But when he's dialed in and when he has the ball in his hands, of all the quarterbacks in this draft, and I've said this many times, especially watching Deshaun up close, 
of all the quarterbacks in this draft, when he has the ball in his hand, I'm scared of him as a defensive coordinator. The rest of the guys, I, I'm okay, good quarterback. You know, Baker Mayfield is probably next on that list. I watched Lamar Jackson. He has the ball in his hands. He will give me nightmares as a defensive coordinator. And knowing that, and when you hear what Michael Vick says about him, you got to think, wow, defensive coordinators are going to have a lot of problems with Lamar Jackson. I've been fearful that the Jaguars would do it at 29 because they've got Blake Bortles for the next few years. Lamar, give him a little time. I'm fearful the Jags do it at 29. Hopefully they don't. But I think Lamar Jackson should go in the first round, that some team may trade up in the bottom of the first round and go get him. And I think it'll be a smart move for whatever that team is. I'm really high on Lamar Jackson. Although he does have some things to work on, he's so dangerous with the ball in his hands, it can make plays. And that is paramount at that position in the NFL nowadays. Chatting with John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, let's make the move to free agency. When you heard Kirk Cousins was getting $84 million guaranteed from Minnesota, what was your thought? What I thought was, I'm going to ask Deshaun Watson to take me out to dinner in a couple of years <laughs> when that happens for him. That was my first thought. Uh, but you know, here's the thing, and I thought about this. I think I would have been a little bit more shocked if it would have been a five- or six-year deal that was fully guaranteed. Because most deals that you look at, the first two, three years for any free agent, for the most part, of that caliber is, is almost guaranteed anyways. So to me, it was that third year that essentially got guaranteed on top of it where I went, okay, this is a, this is a little bit rich, but I could see teams or players and agents looking at it going, oh, here we go. But to me, it'll really start to show when a player signs a five-year deal, and all of it's guaranteed. You know, when Aaron Rodgers goes up for his next deal, which I know is coming up soon, if he says, look, I want five mil, I want a hundred and, I don't know, 140 million, and I want it all guaranteed, if you're the Packers, what are you going to do? I mean, that to me is when it really is going to change when you get the longer deals that get fully guaranteed. A three-year deal, yeah, it's still earth-shattering because of that word, those two words, all guaranteed. But the fact that it's only three years, I'm like, okay, let's get to five and six years, and then it'll start to be panic time, I think, for some of these teams. So we all of a sudden have a Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings. They give him the big splash. Case Keenum gets it done last season. Obviously overachieved in so many people's minds. You spend this money on this this guy and Kirk Cousins. What's the expectations now? Well, Cordell, I think it should be to win a ring. I don't think there should be any question about that. They've got every other piece in place, at least right now. I think the expectation at this point is Case was good. Case had a good – he had a, had a great year, got him money to go to Denver Broncos. But now you're the guy. We're putting this money into you. You're the guy. And having been through the Brock, Brock Osweiler experiment, that was the expectation. We're going to pay you a lot of money, and they're paying Kirk a lot more than, than Brock was – paid here in Houston, but the expectation was, you lead us to a Super Bowl. I don't even think it's that. I think with that money, with everything in place in Minnesota, the expectation there has to be Super Bowl championship. Not just getting there, but go get a ring for the Minnesota Vikings. That's a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins, but that is the final piece of the puzzle, and they're paying him like it, but the pressure now is on him to produce that each and every week, and I think the NFC is going to be fascinating to watch next year with what the Rams are doing, with Cousins, with the Vikings. I think this is going to be in the, the, the 49ers of Jimmy Garoppolo and the things they've done in free agency and signings. It's going to be a really interesting NFC. And then throwing the Eagles, man, I forgot about the world champs. 
it's going to be a really tough NFC to navigate through. Thankfully, the Texans will be in the AFC and stay out of that mix at least until the playoffs and hopefully meet the Vikings in the Super Bowl. That would be kind of nice. Kind of cool heading to Atlanta. That's Cordell's area. You can kick it at his house. Let's wrap it up with the team you know the best. How do you think your Texans are going to approach the draft? Well, I think some of it's coming to fruition in, in free agency, and I've had a lot of conversations with people, and they send me stuff. They're like, hey, I want to sign Jimmy Graham, and I want to sign this running back. I want to get this receiver. I'm like, you don't do anything until you fix that offensive line and the secondary. And whether and whichever you say is priority one or priority two, it doesn't matter. You've got to fix both of them. And so there's been, uh, there's been some news on Zach Fulton. Hopefully that comes to fruition here tomorrow, and he signs because I think he would be a, gr- a great interior fix for this offensive line, Chantrell Henderson, which a little bit of a head-scratcher, but he was with the Bills when Brian Gain was up there for one year, and he adds to the mix. And he, Look, he's better than any offensive tackle we have in the building right now, so he, he may jump right in. But I still feel like more ammunition at the offensive line, whether it's Zach Folden, what they hear about Nate Solder, Chris Hubbard from the Steelers, and then the secondary. They appear to be the team for Aaron Colvin, which I like. And I think it probably means that Kareem Jackson moves to safety, but Aaron Colvin, I think, is a really good fit for this defense, and I don't think they should be done. O-line and secondary, and, and then at that point, you can look at some luxury items. Maybe in that third round, you might look at a tight end considering C.J. Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin had concussion issues, but I think you're going to go offensive line and secondary still in that third round, and then that last pick, you might look at something a little different. Maybe a Shaquem Griffin who can rush the quarterback a little bit from UCF, maybe a tight end. You can look at in this group, which there are some pretty good pass-catching tight ends. You can maybe look at a tight end at that point. And maybe you look at one of these versatile running backs that could do a little bit more than just run the rock and get out and catch the ball to the backfield as well to help Deshaun Watson. John, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it, boys. Take care. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.